The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast here on under auburnundercover.com. My name is Nathan King, uh, Auburn beat reporter for 24-7 Sports. And who else would be my guest today? Um, the early signing period, early signing day, national signing day, you, whatever, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> whatever they do now, um, is Keith Niebuhr, our, our recruiting expert who has been hard at work all day long. Um, and Keith, fans who have been following us um, on our site know everything that's been happening. But um, if, they, if they don't, if they haven't been keeping up with us all day long, um, Auburn, I think, did pretty well, all things considering. Um, what is your just kind of, you know, a few sentences long um, snapshot of this class yeah. without going into any of the guys? How do you think they did overall? Yeah, you hit it right on the head, all things considered. I mean, in a normal year, would you be happy? No. Should you be happy? No. Should you be happy now if you're an Auburn fan? No, because of the circumstance. But the circumstance and circumstances, I guess I should say, are significant. COVID, okay, everybody had to deal with that. No visitors, everybody had to deal with that. No, I mean, no official visitors, excuse me. Kids could visit on their own, they just couldn't meet with staff. Everybody had to deal with that too. But then you started off the season with a couple bad losses, one to Georgia, which, you know, good team, but just kind of a humiliating shoving around, I guess you would say, in that game. And then the, that deflating loss at South Carolina, excuse me. Okay, so then the seeds of doubt come up again. The, uh, the discussions of, amongst uh, social media and the Auburn fan base, should Auburn keep Gus, should, he fire, should they fire Gus Malzahn? So one thing leads to the other. Poor play leads to the chatter, which then you put the two together, and it puts the seeds of doubt into recruits. So that hurt. And then you fire the head coach three days before National Signing Day. Auburn had no head coach, okay, today. Let's, let's just think about that for a second. No head coach. That also means you don't know who the next coordinators are going to be, who the next position coaches are going to be, who anything's going to be, the strength coach, the, the train. I mean, anything. And so, again, I'm not one of these guys, Nathan, and I know you're not – you and I are pretty even keel. We're not in the camp of Kevin Steele should get the job or shouldn't get the job. I, I don't care, okay? I mean, I do care and I don't care at the same time. Whatever happens, we'll cover it and I'll treat the guy fairly, okay? Because that's what we do. Fans, though, 
to look at things differently. But today, looking at today, I don't know what more people could have expected. Seriously. I mean, given the circumstances, I just don't know how you, you can say, I, first of all, Nathan, they signed 12 guys, 11 kids, uh, high school and JUCO guys, and then a grad transfer, Grant Calcaterra. So 12 total. They got 12 guys to sign. And oh, let, me, let me backtrack. People are saying only signed 12. And we say they signed 12 guys with no head coach. I, I just, yeah. I, I look, I mean, I think you have to give the staff some credit. Look, they were not crushing it on the recruiting trail. I get that. Head coach gets fired, and then they really have to try to salvage things the best they can. And, you know, guys, when if you lose a few more, then the class really falls apart. Okay? So I think people – some people are being way too harsh on, with Kevin Steele. I mean, look – I. I don't pretend to know more than anybody else, but I'm just looking at the facts. And I've already talked to a couple college coaches and other programs out there. They can't believe that Auburn signed 12 guys. Like they think that's a high number given this ridiculously awful circumstance right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you touched on it there. We'll get into some of the guys um, in terms of the specifics, but um, one that interests me was Calcaterra, the tight end out of Oklahoma. Um, he told us earlier this week that he wasn't sure what he was going to do yet just because he wanted to talk to the coaches. Obviously, Chad Morris was a big player there. Um, but you talked about it, Keith, that these, they don't know whether these coordinators are going to be the same. And Grant Calcaterra sort of said that. He said, I'm signing. I hope to play at Auburn. This is where I committed. This is where I want to play. But I'm going to see. I'm going to talk to the new coaches once, once the change gets officially done. How many of these other guys, if any, do you think are maybe contingent on something like that where it's like, all right, they're signed and they're on board, um, but something could change if they're not satisfied with the hire. Do you think anybody yeah. else is like that? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know. Maybe. I mean, look, Demetrius Davis, the four-star quarterback, yeah, obviously he's trying to help put the class together, keep the class together. Well, if you sign a, a, a QB coach and a coordinator on offense that maybe favor somebody that's not as much of a dual threat as him, that could present a challenge for Demetrius. Uh, maybe maybe gets let out of his letter intent, of intent. Maybe he takes advantage of the one-time transfer rule that's coming uh, that's going to allow people to, to, to leave uh, without any kind of penalty. <laughs> you know, so you could see situations like that. But right now, everybody's just in wait-and-see mode. But, you know, the bottom line is for a lot of positions, running back's running back, receiver's receiver. Um, now, you've got different systems, of course. I mean, you may, you may get the ball thrown to you more in one system than the other, but I think the overwhelming feeling, overriding feeling, I'm trying to find the right word. I'm so exhausted, Nathan. Among these commits, though, really is that Auburn's Auburn. Okay, so they feel like Auburn's going to hire a great head coach, a great staff, and the program they know historically is good. It's a good program. I mean, even with uh, seven straight seasons of four losses or more, the year before that, Auburn played for the national championship and almost won it. And Auburn's relevant. I mean, Auburn is a relevant program, yeah. whether it wins six games or whether it wins 12 games. People talk about Auburn. Right. Uh, and if you're playing at Auburn, people are going to know about you. They're going to know who you are. So there's a lot of things in Auburn's favor. Uh, the, the defensive line guys, I mean, you know, middle guys are middle guys, but teams play different fronts. I mean, you know, it's – Look, it's a leap of faith. There's no doubt about it. It's an absolute leap of faith. It's also a leap of faith for our college coaches across the country this year who have taken commitments and now letters of intent from guys they've never seen. It's just film. I mean, like film is a lot different than in person. We're, gonna, we're about to find out how good guys evaluate guys on film. 
you know, without actually having been yeah. able to go to games and practice and stuff. But Calcaterra is an interesting one. And I like what he did. Hey, I'll sign. And you know what? Later on, if it doesn't work out, we'll figure it out then. You know, we'll figure it out then. But you, you almost got the feeling that he kind of felt for the situation Auburn was in. It's a school yeah. that's convinced him to take this second chance, to come back from these concussions and, uh, you know, the situation he had. And this guy was an all-Big 12 performer. You know, you, you did your one-on-one interview with him. All-Big 12 performer in 2018, 30-something catches. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Um, so I think he probably felt like, you know, this program's given me this chance. I'll sign. We'll see what happens. Uh, but if you don't sign today, you know, maybe I, – like, I can't speak for the kid, but maybe he thought it would help the program out. It might look good. It might make him look better. I mean, there, there's – yeah, I mean, some people, there's a little empathy there for Auburn right now. It's such a – just an awful situation. I mean, we haven't seen too many like this. Uh, because usually schools have their coaches in place by either the first signing day or if a guy leaves after the first one for the second one. But this was just so weird. And then the, the season, gosh, the season's still going on for a lot of teams, the regular season. But for Auburn, it just ended. I mean, it was just this unbelievable set of circumstances that all – the perfect storm in, in the worst way possible for Auburn. Somehow they've salvaged – I'm not saying it's a great class. I don't want people to say that. That'll, that will piss me off, Nathan. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is – given these set of situations, uh, this, this overall situation, uh, what did people expect? I mean, you know, right. I mean, you, you wanted the, the, coach, the vast majority of the fan base, it seems, wanted the coach fired. Okay, look, that's their prerogative, man. They're diehard fans. They love the program. I get it, man. But you had to have known if you fire a guy when you fired him that something like this was possible. Now, we're, I'm not calling this class a complete cluster, you know what, it's – it's got some good guys. I know we're going to get into that in a second, but it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. And given that kids, uh, the players last year, don't lose a year of eligibility, they can, you know, basically everybody gets an extra year. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's almost like you're cramming two classes into one. So if you, if you combine last year and this year together, I mean, it hurts you with depth. It, look, it's not ideal. Obviously you always want to recruit well, but if at least it softens the blow, even just a little bit, that helps you. Yeah, this would have been a, a recruiting class and excursion and, and everything the coaches, coaches would have had to do, even without the firing, um, just because yeah. of the transfer rule, like well, you said, well, because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just say it was a normal year and, and mm. it Gus got fired. But the season would have ended after Thanksgiving. So you at least would have had a few weeks to kind of get your bearings straight. The conference yes, championships would all be done by now. So suppose Mario Cristobal was the guy. Well, the conference championship game would already be in his rearview mirror by a week or so, two weeks, whatever. And so that's not an ideal situation either, bringing in a guy even that late. Well, just take those two extra weeks away. I mean, it's, you know, tough. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and Kevin Steele said that his, I mean, his past few days have been a whirlwind talking about, you know, having to go through and these guys haven't even been on campus before. Um, yeah. He said he's, he, to call the offensive guys, like, you know, he had to do, he's the interim head coach. He hasn't really watched their film because he was recruiting the defensive guys. So he had to go Sunday night and figure out, you know, how do these guys even play? Got to be able to get context um, to their play style. So we'll get into some of the guys now. Like Keith said, it's a 12-person class as of today. Um, obviously, you know, you could add. Um, I, Kevin Steele kind of alluded to it. And Keith is going to have all that information up on AuburnUndercover.com of what to expect in the next few days in terms of any additions. But I wanted to go to Demetrius Davis, um, four-star quarterback out of Houston, sort of the glue 
of this class, I think, on the offensive side of the ball, Lee Hunter maybe on defense. Do you view him as sort of a Bo Nix type guy from a few years ago where he is doing a lot of the work um, from a prospect perspective to keep the class together? Is he kind of that leader on that side of the ball? Oh, probably more so than Nix, if we're just being completely honest here, based on what other commits have told me. Uh, and by the way, back back to to uh, uh, to Steele. I mean, people don't want to hear about how busy he's been the last few days. They, they don't care, right? Everybody's upset. We get that. So we're just you and me are just trying to paint the picture uh, of what what the challenges have been. We're not judging whether we think he's the guy for the future. Any of that. I just need to make that clear again and again and again. And also, Nathan, sorry for all the coughing. I mean, I'm snorting. I'm coughing. I'm trying to hit the mute button. I don't know when you're going to stop and, and oh, throw it to fine. me. So. So sorry about that. But yeah, Demetrius Davis, first of all, what you want out of a quarterback, look, you got to have all these skills, right? But in recent years, it seemed like teams were going more for guys with the perfect arm and they look pretty throwing and less about what was in between their ears and what they did on Friday nights. And, and guys like, uh, you know, some of the guys that were really good quarterbacks 20 years ago weren't, wouldn't even get a look recently because uh, they didn't have the picture perfect throwing motion. They didn't, you know, all that stuff. But they knew how to play the game and they knew how to win. So Demetrius Davis doesn't necessarily have the most beautiful throwing motion. I don't know if he has a cannon or not. He looks like he's got a decent arm. Probably needs to get a little stronger. Probably needs to get a little more, little more techni- technically sound, even though, Nathan, you and I are not QB coaches. We're not, you know, we're not Don Coriel and Don Shula, who are probably uh, – you're probably too even young to know who maybe who those guys are. You probably know who Shula is. But Yeah, Shula but, I've got down. But, <laughs> yes, but, but he's – you know, he's 5'10 and a half. You're seeing more shorter quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Tua, uh, not to compare him to those two, but body-wise, you know, 5'10 and a half, 5'11. He can run like the wind. He would be the best running quarterback at Auburn since Nick Marshall. And quite frankly, if you look at the film, he even looks more smooth than Nick Marshall running the ball. Uh, 30 touchdown passes this year in 11 games. One interception. Playing in the largest classification in the state of Texas. 30 TDs, one interception. His team's 11-0. and 0. He hasn't thrown in an interception since week one. So he's gone 10 straight games without throwing an interception. He's doing something right, Nathan. He's a winner. Last check, I believe he was 48-2 and or something like that as a high school starter. Two state titles, getting ready to play for a third maybe in a few weeks. A winner. You look historically at the guys that have won at the highest level in college football and in the SEC. Cam Newton. Well, he didn't win a state title in football, but I believe his basketball team did or came close or something. He elevated both those teams. So either – was a guy winner at the high school level or did he elevate his team? Because not everybody's blessed to have enough people around him to win a state title, obviously. Uh, so many guys that I've covered in the SEC, you name them all, the Tebows and Mannings of the world. These guys were championship quarterbacks at the high school level. That's what Demetrius Davis is. He brings that to the next level. He expects to win. That's all he knows. Okay. So in that regard, yeah, I love him. People gravitate toward him. He's a winner. You know, he's the alpha male that walks in the room. And alpha male doesn't have to be 6'5", 225 to get people's attention. Sean Shivers is one of those guys. He's 5'2". I mean, what is he, 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, five, He's an alpha <laughs> male. He's an absolute alpha male. Uh, so that's what Demetrius Davis is. That's what he brings to the table, the winning mentality. Now, is he going to fit the new scheme, the new coach? The new scheme may be the same as the old scheme. I mean, a lot of these teams are running the same stuff now. So who knows? But uh, – he, uh, he had a big part in kind of keeping this thing somewhat together. And I know his heart was probably crushed uh, on Wednesday, though, when his teammate, uh, Jaden Roberts, did not sign with Auburn. And as we record this, it sounds like he's probably Alabama-bound. I don't know. That may get done while we're recording. It may be later. I don't know. But uh, 
but overall, I thought he, he did a nice job. And then you said defense. Uh, yeah, Lee Hunter, actually, guy that was hitting up recruits, and still is. He's still recruiting Dylan Brooks. And Commits always told me, Nathan, that he was going to Auburn, regardless of his tweets and all that stuff, and looked like he was all over the place. Everybody around him always said, oh, no, 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 he's going to Auburn. Um, a great relationship with Gus, but also a great relationship with Kevin Steele. But in his heart, it was always Auburn. He just loves Auburn. So a guy like him that's probably going to be a three-technique defensive tackle, well – him or Marquise Robinson. I mean, they, I, you know, who knows who's going to play what? They're both big barrel-chested guys. Uh, one could be the, the – I guess Auburn doesn't really have a zero technique. Oh, whatever. They're, they're two defensive tackles, <laughs> two really good players. Uh, but Lee Hunter, <laughs> that was a big one. You could have lost that one. I mean, Georgia was on them hard late. And, uh, you know, if Bama would have made a little bit of a push, I was told it could have got interesting. Uh, but in, in the end, he was all Auburn, and that was significant for the Tigers. I remember my biggest Lee Hunter takeaway during all this. I remember last year at Big Cat Weekend, um, we were talking to him, and we asked him where he's leaning. He said, literally his verbatim answer was Auburn, 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 Auburn. And then we asked him what he thinks of Coach G, which is Coach Garner. And he said, I love Coach Gus Melzon. He said, nope, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Coach Garner. He said, I love Coach Garner too. So <laughs> that sort of illustrates how it's like, man, he didn't care who, he didn't care who you were talking about. He was on uh, Auburn. Talking about a guy now, Keith, that yeah. as we record, didn't commit too long ago, Armani Goodwin. He's yeah. going to LSU. Was Auburn, this is the former Auburn running back commit, um, who I think a, it was only a week ago that he decommitted. Was Auburn a player there at the end? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and so, you know, he was an Auburn commit for a year and a half. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, Nathan, you know this, sometimes – I hope I'm not mansplaining stuff to everybody out there. But, you know, look, you commit early, and then you don't get in a lot of attention, and, I mean, from people like me. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a new school that enters the mix, and they're showing you a lot of love, and it's new, and it's fresh, and it's a team coming off a national title. And, you know, people say, well, why would he – why would he go to LSU right now? They, they look like they must be in a little bit of a mess too. Relationships, man. I mean, he's real tight with the running backs coach, Kevin Falk, formerly uh, great LSU player, great NFL player, was close with Cadillac Williams at Auburn. But when Gus Malzahn – oh, he decommitted a few weeks ago, but he was just kind of didn't know what he was going to do. It looked like he was going to end up back at Auburn. In fact, almost everybody close to him, coaches, friends, everybody says, no, he was going to end up back at Auburn. Gus Malzahn gets fired. And, again, this is one of the repercussions. This is what happens when you fire somebody. Again, you're firing somebody because you, you want to make a move. You want to get better long-term. You know you're going to maybe take a hit in the interim. Uh, but he's real close with Cadillac Williams, incredibly close. His mom's a big Cadillac Williams fan. But there's no guarantee Cadillac Williams is going to be coaching at Auburn in a couple of months. And so that uncertainty uh, really pushed him toward LSU. Now, the question is, I don't think he's an early enrollee, so why, did he, why didn't he just wait? I, I can't answer that. But it, yeah, LSU, even with this awful season they've had, coming off a national title, uh, put together a nice recruiting class. You know, it's a buzz program right now, uh, even with this season. So it's, um, you know, Auburn's got to try to get back and be one of those buzz programs. There's just been too many, too many ugly losses mixed in with decent wins. You know what I mean? It's just, just not quite that. Um, 10 win consistency that you're, you're really looking for. You really need to compete uh, with the Alabamas and Georgias of the world on the recruiting level every year. I mean, you're going to get guys here and there, but Auburn's got to figure something out. They're just, you know, it's, I mean, this class will end up being not great, but there may be, look, if you can find a handful of starters out of it, it'll be okay. 
But uh, losing Armani Goodwin's big, Nathan. I'm going off in circles because I'm sick and, and, and tired. But, but um, look, you think, do you really even need him? You got Tank Bixby. You got DJ Williams. You got Mark Anthony Richards, Sean Shivers. You don't have Mark Anthony Richards anymore. <laughs> You're darn right. And you might not have DJ Williams. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows who else is going to leave? That running back room gets awfully small. Here's what we know about Tank Bixby. He's awesome. You know what the no. second thing we know about Tank Bigsby? Hurt this year yeah. and during his senior year in high school. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get injured next year. He may never be hurt again. But now you have two seasons, back-to-back years, where he has battled through injuries, missed time in high school, missed a little time this year. So, that pres- that, look, is that something uh, – it may never happen again, but it's still got to be in the back of your mind. So that running back room went from being pretty big at the beginning of the year. You also had Harold Joyner, guys like that. So very small, quickly. So Auburn has to find a running back now. Well, how many good ones are left? Are there any Juco guys, people say? Well, what, are you just going to plug anybody in back there? I mean, if that's all it takes, Auburn could sign 25 guys every year and have all the hay in the barn today. They have 12 commitments, not just because those are the only 12 guys that want to play there. They have 12 commitments because as an elite program, and they are because it's a top 15 program nationally, historically, you're selective. So you're just going to go out and find some old Juco guy. Now, there may be some good ones out there. I don't know. But, no, you got to find somebody decent. So where would you find somebody? Maybe the transfer market. Well, that presents a challenge, Nathan, because Tank Bigsby may be getting 17 to 22 carries a game. I may only have one year left. I need 15 to 17 carries a game to show the NFL. I can't go to Auburn. I need to go to Memphis where I can start. I mean, you know, it's, it's always a challenge. And other teams do it. I get it. Uh, Auburn's got to find this, this – magic potion i don't know what it is auburn's got to find something that's a you know people you hear we hear offensive tackles say well i'm going there because of the playing time and you're thinking well auburn's got playing time too and they can't get any offensive tackles something's missing we all know it but we don't know what it is and whoever the new head coach is has got to fix that and that running back i mean that running back position i mean you can't just throw anybody back there you got to have guys that can block that can run that can catch the ball and now all of a sudden Auburn's going to have some serious, serious work to do in the next few months. Now, by the way, just because Mark Anthony Richards is in the portal, he may fall in love with whoever Auburn hires as its offensive coordinator in the next, in the next few weeks Very and say, true. you know what, I, I'm sticking around. I mean, so who knows? Also, a lot of these guys go in the portal. <laughs> you're at Auburn, and you're thinking, oh, I ain't, I'm going to end up at USC. Oh, well. And then a few weeks pass, and USC ain't calling, and the only people they're calling are New Mexico. Okay, and that's not a knock on that program, but that's not SEC football. And so sometimes people, some of these kids have to be careful what they wish for. The grass is always greener. So we'll see what happens with Mark Anthony Richards. We know he loves Auburn. I'm sure it has more to do with opportunity than anything else. He liked Gus Malzahn a lot. He's been very close with him since Gus recruited his older brother. So, you know, we'll see. But they got to get a running back, Nathan. I mean, it's – I mean, geez. I mean, <laughs> that running back room could be really small. You don't even know who the running backs coach is going to be. Don't know who the OC is going to be. Right now, you've got, what, three scholarship guys coming back if Mark Anthony Richards transfers. So, you know, one guy gets hurt, and all of a sudden you've got some real issues. Yeah, and they had a lot more than one guy that get hurt this year. So, you know, we're thinking about that, that they've kind of dealt with the injury bug. Circling around yeah. um, to something you just talked about, both offensive line and transfers, um, Jaden Roberts out of North Shore, teammates with Demetrius Davis, offensive guard, four-star, did not end up committing to Auburn today. Um, he actually decommitted, I believe, correct? Mm, yeah, um, that's right. And so the only one today was Garner Langlo, which six foot seven guard out of Florida, yeah. I, I think is a really good player. 
Um, what's the what's the picture right now for the offensive Oof. line um, with Eric Wilson, the grad transfer from Harvard, being yeah. in it right now? Um, what do you think they're going to do here in the next few months at that position? Yeah, so, sounds like we're being negative Nancys here, but there, there there's some real situations. I mean, there's some real issues now. Again, Auburn signed a bunch of offensive linemen last year, like five or six guys. And they're going to have most of them from this season back next year. Were they great this year? No. Serviceable. You add a tackle or two uh, to the mix, and all of a sudden you might have one of the you know, better uh, offensive lines in the league. So there's some promise there if you can add – if you can uh, get better at tackle. But – so right now you've only got one offensive line signee, though. And you're right, Garner Langlo, 6'7", 280. Boy, he looks pretty. I went down and watched him practice. Big kid, massive – monster uh got to get a little bit more flexible a little bit more soft in the feet um you know all that stuff but he's got some potential but he's not gonna start next year you know what i mean so he's not what they didn't need this year were guys to come in and start from the high school level they needed guys to come in that were good that we could get in the system and then in a couple years be ready where they needed guys to come in and play right away or through the transfer market. And they thought they had one with Eric Wilson, the Harvard grad transfer, all Ivy League performer, a legit NFL prospect. But he's holding off on signing. He said, Keith, man, at Harvard I had three different offensive line coaches. He says, you know what, that's not a problem. Because you're coming from high school, you got four or five years, you got time, right? Now they don't get redshirt in the Ivy. So you had four years. He goes, I had time. He goes, I don't have any time anymore. I've got one year. I've got to show my best stuff if I want to play in the NFL. And, again, he is a legit NFL prospect. I need to know more about who the O-line coach is going to be. I need to know more what the offense is going to, going to be. And that was a guy that was going to come in and challenge for a starting job. And now you're on the verge of maybe losing him. So what Auburn's really got to do now, whoever gets this head coaching job, they have to immediately – they're going to know. Everybody knows that Auburn's offensive line hasn't been what it should be. That doesn't mean individual parts of it weren't good. That doesn't mean the line is a whole stunt, but it's not the level of an elite team right now. Right? So what they need is they need some tackles. They need some guys, not just serviceable tackles. They got those, you know, they got those. They need somebody to come in and either start or push for the starting job and make everybody better. And there will be guys out there, Nathan, because that one, that transfer rule that's coming into play where guys can leave and play the next year, uh, and not just as grad transfers, as regular transfers, uh, that's going to open the door. So, you know, there's kids out there at San Diego State, Washington State, Purdue, all across the country. Those teams have offensive linemen that are as good, if not better, than the guys at Auburn. You know, there, there's, there's good players on every team. And uh, it's going to be Auburn's job to figure out who those people are and try to convince one or two. I think you got to bring in two. Given the injuries on the offensive line this year, I think it's imperative that you bring in two tackles – that are starter worthy immediately. And you hope maybe one or one elite guy, even, you know, to really raise that offensive line to the next level. Do we have any names? No, they're not in the portals yet. Mostly season just ended for a lot of teams and starting to end for others. We're going to see names hit the portal, but generally speaking, those guys pop up out of nowhere. Okay. They come out of the clear blue and a transfer will commit as with uh, Grant Calcaterra. Eric Wilson, we kind of caught wind of a little bit before. I just don't know if Wilson's going to end up at Auburn. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we think Auburn's going to have a new head coach in the next week or so. We'll see what the, he does with the O-line situation, um, who he keeps, who he brings in, whatever. Uh, and that person may not even want Eric Wilson. We don't know. Eric Wilson may not want him. He may not want Eric Wilson. So there's so much uncertainty right now. Yeah, I think undoubtedly one of the biggest – position coaches to keep an eye on during this whole thing is offensive line, whether they retain oh, yeah. Jack McNeil, um, 
just because I, I thought he did a really solid job last year, but not even, not even yeah. just because of that, just because of all the uncertainty that's been going on with the offensive line over the past few years. Well, and you know, here, here's the thing, Nathan. I mean, it's, it's sometimes not a matter of whether you, you like a guy personally or whether they did a good job or not. Head coaches want to work with their guys. Uh, sometimes their guys are available. Sometimes they're not available. They can't get out of the deals or they like where they're at or whatever. But there's, there's a lot of things in play, and you just don't know. But, uh, you know, even if Kevin still gets the job, you don't think he's going to keep everybody. I mean, there's a reason why they, they lost four games this year, and it's, it's, you can't put everything on the head coach. So as a new coach, you're probably thinking, all right, let's look at the positions. Where do I need to bring in my guys? And then if they come in and bring in an outside coach, uh, you, you might have an entirely new staff. It may be everyone, uh, you know, because – uh, so again, wanting your own guys, you know, wanting uh, loyalty, wanting guys that are loyal to you. Uh, and, and, you know, if you, sometimes if you keep a coach from a previous staff, uh, the kids may gravitate toward them and it can splinter a locker. I mean, there's so many things they got to think about, but um, you know, we don't know. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's the next few weeks are going to be wild and fun and nuts at the same time and uh, difficult for everybody listening. I'm sure. But yep. <laughs> the, light is at, the light is at the end of the tunnel. It's coming, okay? Every rough day means you're one day closer to a non-rough day. So right. it's coming. It's coming. Well, we won't get into everybody on this yeah. list because, you know. Well, I'm too long-winded. So, yeah. 12 of them. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know. Whatever, dude. Go, keep it coming. <laughs> what you got? Um, but I do want to say one, one last question. Sure. So if there's a guy on this list, obviously we talked about Lee Hunter. We talked about um davis the one that everyone knows calcaterra obviously was a great player who's the one guy on this list that maybe throughout his recruiting process you thought i don't think he's getting talked about enough maybe not because of ratings um maybe just because of position what one way or another who's one guy that you're saying i don't i don't think he's been he's been talked about enough by fans or by people around recruiting um and i think he has the potential to, to blow up and be a really good yeah player. Well, I'm not even looking at my computer right now. I'm like basically hooked up to an oxygen tank. But let's see. Uh, let's let's go. Let's go position by position. I want to say, Nathan, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Hmm? Oh, okay. Uh, I want to say. Yeah, let's see. Offensive line. Okay, Garner Langlois got potential. Uh, maybe Marquise Robinson. I mean, he's a four-star defensive tackle, but he was always leaning Auburn. He was always going to go to Auburn. So he never got a ton of pub. Plus, he plays in the Florida Panhandle, not a high population area. He didn't get a lot of national attention. There were no camps this year, really, not many because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and I think went out and had a fairly dominant year. So you put him next to Lee Hunter. And, again, I mean, are they going to be ready to dominate next year? Come on. I mean, really, it's the SEC. Uh, but in a couple of years, you know, uh, Marquise Robinson's got some real potential, man. There's no doubt about it. And if it doesn't work out on the offensive line, I mean, defensive line, he could probably transfer to offensive guard, be a transition to offensive guard, because he is a big, burly kid. I mean, he's wide. Um, so I would say Marquise Robinson. I, I, I think they might have a little bit of a I – mean, he's a four-star guy, but he's just not a guy that got a lot of national pub. I mean, it came down to Auburn and FSU, although I think Florida and Miami both liked him. He just never really – he never really considered too many other teams. So that would be my pick, Marquise Robinson. Big, strong, physical, naturally big. Just he's one of those guys that's like six three three hundred, but looks so much bigger than that. Not yeah. everybody the same height and weight looks the same. You know what I mean? Um, and he just looks massive, massive, and he walks slow. He's got a little Truesdale in him. He walks slow. He doesn't talk that fast. And then on the field, all of a sudden, he's going 
10 times faster. You know what I mean? So, so maybe him, I, Amari Harvey's got a lot of potential. I, I know the Auburn coaches love him. He's a wiry thin though. I mean, he's real skinny. He's not just thin. He's skinny. He's got to put on weight, uh, but he's fast and he can move and he's confident. Um, I like him in Tallahassee. He's got a history of producing a lot of good players for a city that size. Got a lot of guys that have made it to the NFL. So, those would be my two guys, I think. I'm sure I'm missing somebody totally obvious. I mean, Hal Presley, we've talked about him a lot. He's got a lot of natural ability at the receiver position, just hadn't had a quarterback this year. Um, if he, if he, I don't want to knock the quarterback, but he's not a real passer. Uh, but if he played at a, a school with one of these Division One quarterbacks, he might have 80 catches right now. So, I, yeah, look, I mean, some of the guys, to, to Betchy O'Keeley. I mean, Auburn is really high on him. I think they got a few pretty good players here. Uh, now, are they all going to end up being starters? Of course not. If half of them are, if six of the 12 are, then you've done okay. Because, again, this is that transitional class. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's, now, now we're going to see, okay, what do they do with the remaining spots? Who are they going to get? They're going to go after the same group of guys. What they'll do as a staff is they'll take a, bre- a day or two to catch their breath probably, and then they'll start seeing who didn't sign. Dylan Brooks, I don't believe, signed. Defensive end in state, uh, top 100 or so guy was committed to Tennessee. That's a guy that could end up in Auburn potentially. Receiver Rock Taylor didn't sign with Tennessee. That's a guy that could end up in Auburn. So they're going to look at, see who didn't sign that's out there and then fit them with their needs and then go reevaluate their film, check into their character if they haven't already done that, what kind of grades they have, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the real work's coming. That's the, that's the amazing thing. The real work's ahead for this staff. Crazy. Crazy to think about with how, yeah. what their past week is. Well, and, and some like. of them are going to be some of them are going to be coming and going. I mean, yeah. once a new head coach is named, uh, you know, within a pretty short time, you could see some significant changes on the staff. You will see significant, not could, you will. So. Right, and that shakes up your recruiting grounds and everything. Yeah. Um, well, they got to get to know the kids. How do you if you're just coming in from uh, Iowa and you don't even know the guys they're recruiting? You got to try to get to know these kids in a short window. It's, uh, it's just one challenge after the other. But, again, that's what you deal with in a coaching change, and it's not an excuse. It's a reality. And you say, but we made the coaching change as a school, as an institution, for the betterment of the long-term elements of the program, right? So maybe take a step back to move a few steps forward. That's the goal. We'll see if it happens. I think you did a great job putting everything together, Keith. Oh, yeah. I think readers or <laughs> listeners, excuse me, readers and listeners are going to really enjoy this one. Um, yeah. so we appreciate everybody listening. Please go and, uh, and leave us a review. It really helps us out. Share the podcast if you enjoyed this episode. For our recruiting expert, Keith Niebuhr, who is about ready to take a nap right now after being up for, it's like the movie 127 hours. His hand has been stuck to his computer um, for the whole week. So I've uh, never gonna, seen it. <laughs> we're going to let Keith go rest. Um, but you guys, hope you, everybody enjoyed the, uh, the episode of the podcast, and we will talk to you guys soon.